in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 204 this edition is brought to you by Tractor Zoom Delivering Insights. Aaron, if you wanted to go find a place where you could get all the auction data you were looking for in one easy-to-use place, where would you go? Besides my brain. Besides your brain. Then it would have to be Tractor Zoom. Would you look in iron comps? I would. I was just going to say probably the ideal thing to do would be, would be to pull up iron comps, uh-huh. get all the information you could possibly want. Yep. And let's just say you decided you wanted to go ahead and get this iron comps thing what would you put in a checkout to get a discount i would use the moving iron code there you go that's my boy right there you're my boy blue Woo! you're my boy all right this edition of the moving iron podcast is going to be an exciting one because we have we have uh, a fair amount of things to talk about especially one of which is where is the economy at right now and although this week's been a rough week in the commodity marketplace stuff is still selling it's a fair statement here yes in the broadest stroke possible, yes. I like how you like had that pause there for dramatic effect. I did. There for a while, I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe things aren't selling good. <laughs> but you have to keep in mind, in my world, selling good is today. Well, that's, that's Yester- called sales. Yester- that's- yeah, yesterday's over. <laughs> selling good? Yes. Have I sold anything today? No. If we're selling, uh, if we're selling a, uh, a planter or marshmallows... Sells is what what you've done for me today, today lately type of thing. So planter and marshmallows doesn't matter. It's what have you done for me lately? Right, right. There you go. There you go. Okay. Well, thanks for being the hero yesterday. You haven't done shit today. <laughs> That's exactly right. Go wash that combine, boy. What do you sell today? <laughs> Nothing. All right. Well, you're getting closer to being fired every day. <laughs> Here's a box. <laughs> <laughs> if you sell something, you can turn it back in. All right. One of my uh, favorite things to get in the mail is the quarterly Sullivan Auctioneers auction book. It's like Christmas, you know. It is. I heard when I heard out by the the, the mailbox that I was getting closer to, I could hear jingles, <laughs> jingling of bells, and I thought, yes, it's here. I can sit back and I can enjoy the greatness of what's coming up on the auction. So let's have an auction. Is a uh, this is my favorite thing on the planet to look at because you get a very good look at two things. One is what's obviously going to be in the auction block. The second thing is you start to look and see how much is going to be on the auction. How much of what kind. Exactly. exactly. And where at. Exactly. That's the other portion. Yep. And with the new kind of with this COVID thing and everything we got going on here, this uh, this timed auction thing on the Internet has become a bigger deal. Right, unfortunately, so, unfortunately, I miss I miss the live auctions more than I more than anything else. On the I miss the evenings of live auctions yes. more than anything. Yes, those were right. Not so much the, the mornings. Yeah. The free sandwich at noon. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Big fan. The that. evening. The evening was a uh, networking. Networking. Yeah. Getting to see people. Typically, about a, I don't know, a billion music equipment people descend on a site just to be. You know, more spectators than buyers. For, right. Uh, for a lot of anything else. So 
a lot of free sandwiches get handed out to guys that are just there to see what's happening. There you have it. A, but, verit- a veritable who's who. Yep. You know you can you can spot a used equipment guy at an auction? Uh, has his hand in his pockets. That, and he also has bib overalls that aren't dirty. Oh, there you go. Good times. Good times. All right, so... Flipping through this book, a lot of good stuff in here. Better grab my car hearts. They're <laughs> still got tags on them. Folded up in the closet. Your uh, the, uh, the the size sticker's still down the legs. You might take that off. <laughs> I'm gonna throw these in the back of the pickup on the way to the airport. Hope they get dirty. <laughs> Where's that wire brush at when you need it? <laughs> so, so you've got one of the biggest things here in this in this book is Ag Pros having another. Another auction, a very big auction. It's going to be uh, girthy. The Ohio, Georgia, Alabama, and Florida auction is going to be February twenty third. Starts at ten o'clock. That's when uh, starts starts closing. Um, there's over a hundred tractors on this deal, and they range from a ninety six twenty RX all the way down to a fifty sixty five E. I don't know. There's a well, that's a little bigger. So then you got a couple New Hollands in a case in there. So, um, pretty big selection. Other big selection here are sw- uh, swathers, sprayers, and they did the exact switch that they did from last time. There's only six combines on here. I think the last time this came out, there was 86 combines ish on here, and about four tractors. So, they- however. However, they've done a 180. If you page forward a little more, the other big participants from last year's auctions, Van Wall. Van Wall, yes. So that, that's my They next. are making up for the combine selection. <laughs> yeah, there's the combines in there. So, what is your. Where's the, there she is. 30 combines. Um, 15 heads. Yep. 15 guys with gloves and a knife. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. That's about right. You've got these two auctions. You take a look at them. What's your thoughts right now? So going into this, this one is the 22nd. Um, it's going to be interesting. Of, of January. Because which I guess with the, the bulk of the tractors and stuff being from AgPro Southern Territory, it's going to be interesting to see how that affects them. Are they going to... Be which a southern tractor typically brings less. Are they are they going to do that? Are they going to be propped up by cash in pockets? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think the Van Wall combines is going to be combines at auction. Well, yeah, I mean, and if you look at what they've got here, they've got two seven series combines, and the rest of the stuff are all your six hundreds and seventies. There's right. a couple sixties in there, but. For the most part, it's it's the 12, 13, 14 model stuff um, in that hour range we talk about all the time on right. that 1,000 to 1,500 hour range machine. So there's going to be some. There are some on the Van Wall deal, though, ironically, there's a couple 9770s in here that I think would be worth watching. There's one in here that's got 1,950 hours on it. For 2011, drive. and it's two-wheel drive. Uh-oh. The other one, the 2010, has got almost uh, 2,500 hours on it. And it's got four-wheel drive. So I think those two machines, as that popularity of that particular machine has, I don't know if I want to say skyrocketed, but it seems like to me that there is a fair amount of um, demand 
for that specific machine because like we've talked about a million times there's this machine here with 1700 hours on it there's a lot of these 670 680s that someone's going to be like well if they got the same hours on them i'll probably just take 70 to some extent to to some extent that the the 70 series heat has cooled off a hell of a lot though there's there's still going to be guys that are going to be there for those combines yep but they are and i've noticed it a lot last year the 70 love affair is cooling off a hell of a lot and that's just because the 600s are so damn cheap cheap. that at some point i i've got a custom cutter who i mean he still has a couple 60 series in the herd never ever ever wanted to own an s and two weeks ago on the phone we were talking and he says he says well i think the time has come we're gonna have to get into the s6s yep and i said thank god because now i can sell you some combines because the lord knows we got them yep there's there's those that's a and and he's not alone there's you know a lot of farmers i i did a couple combine deals this fall with guys sold them Late model 680s that had a herd of 9770s. A fleet. Yeah. Because, well, we had one. It was our combine. We bought another one at auction. And then they got cheap, and we bought a third. Yep. What do you think this... So I'm looking at this one here. So there is items located near Reynolds. This is... It doesn't say whose it is. Oh, here we go. The Randy Murdoch Estate. Been, I've been trying to convince my wife that we need to get a motorhome. Oh damn, yes, absolutely. And some days a she diesel pusher. She sometimes she's on the fence. Ooh, you got her that close? Yeah, and depending on the day or what shenanigans I've pulled during that day, <laughs> really depends widely on what side of the fence she's on. I can only imagine that. So I think that there's a uh, there's a great opportunity, maybe to see what that one brings because that's got that's a nice looking one. That it that is a sweetie. That is absolutely accurate. Okay, so let's jump back over here and let's talk about this Ag Pro one again. A little further. There is that there's this thing about southern tractors that I've I've never quite figured out why they why they're not I mean, I think to me, these tractors are low hour tractors, they're what they are. Sometimes uh, a spec here and there might throw people for a loop, but it's still you know machines like there's one in here like here's a 2018 with 8295R for 515 with 515 hours on it there's another 16 with 800 hours on it a lot of these tractors have under 2500 hours on them i got to think in today's marketplace for that guy that's looking to go from that 5 or 6000 hour tractor that wants to jump into something like this I think these are going to be a very attractive sell because oh, of what it is. Absolutely, that's what I was talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah, they're you know the the bulk of them is probably southern tractors. Mm-hmm. They're they're late enough out, late enough <coughs> in age, low enough in hours. I don't think that's going to matter, and I think they're going to be propped up pretty strong. If I was a betting man, I totally agree with you. I think these are going to bring some money that that I think are going to shock people because. First thing when someone sees an auction, like, oh, crap, there's 100 tractors on there. Well, I can tell you right now, of what this mix looks like, I would be shocked if it was anything other than spectacular, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And those guys, 
you know, we know the guys at Ag Pro, right. and and they're good guys. Mm-hmm. So, so they, you know, when they put that mix together, just right. like we do, they sat there and oh, sprinkle this, sprinkle this, sprinkle this, and yep. you got a hell of a nice, huge and diverse selection. Yep, something for everybody, as we like to say. Yep, not discriminating against anyone. So, what do you think about sprays right now? <laughs> when you're looking at what's going on here, so if you take a look at. Let's talk about 30 series sprayers. I know we, last week we spent some time talking about sprayers and those kind of things, but we didn't really spend a lot of time we on... We talked about the tech of sprayers, tech, tech which sprayers. would not be the 30 series sprayers. No, so let's talk about 30 series sprayers for a minute. When you start looking at sprayers, especially 30 series sprayers, or any sprayers in general, because, I mean, hell, we've got them all over the board, right? As far as hours go. Where is that hour range at? When you look at a sprayer, it, where did you start seeing, like, where's that first jumping-off point? Where's that second? Where's that third jumping-off point as far as hours? Go? The first one, and this is going to be very specific to us because we do put some hours on sprayers. I'm going to skip the 500 go all the way to 1,000. I'm right there with you. 1,000 is the first yeah. the first mark. Um, and then I would say two. I don't – it doesn't feel like within our AOR that we – have a lot of discrimination whether it's 13 or 1800 hours they both sell really well that thousand to two thousand mark is great and then i think you throw over two in the same bucket as up to five yeah i was gonna say you you do get some splitting hairs there well we really want to be under three yeah kind of get a budget price but not have a boatload hours right and then you get guys which i'm surprised you you can't you couldn't give those hours away on a combine. Oh no, but on a sprayer, and and I've seen I've seen five thousand hour combines that need a hell of a lot less work than five thousand hour sprayers. Right, big time. I think I think the one. But thing, those sprayers will still sell. Yeah. But you got to keep in mind there you don't have anybody threshing by hand. Right. To come by that beat to shit steaming pile of S six seventy. With five thousand hours, right? But you got a hell of a lot of guys with three point booms, pull type sprayers, all yeah. that that are going to go buy that five thousand hour forty nine thirty, and they're tickled shitless with it, right? Well, because it's, it's not a damn pull type sprayer. Well, that and it's the same. It's it's competitive with the new with the new pull type sprayer within reason. Like you know, you're within right twenty five thousand right pull type. Sometimes sprayer. the same price. Right. I, to me, when you're talking about the hour thing. To me, when I when I look at that, I think if you're going to run it to two thousand, you're going to run past two thousand hours. You might as well run it to thirty five hundred and trade it in. That to me is like that third jumping off point. And then, like you, I would say that thirty five hundred hours and up is all just one giant bucket. So but you're saying skip two? No, no, I'm saying like a thousand hours, right? Somewhere between seven fifty and twelve fifty is yeah, your first jumping off right. point. And then your next jumping off point to me would be somewhere between. 1850 and like 2500. Okay. And if you're going to go past that, run to 3500 3, hours and, and then jump off up there. Yeah, I would agree with that. You, you could probably fudge the two mark to 25. Yeah. Quite honestly. Yeah. Well, think about it. Our first line goes up to 12. Right. So it's only natural that the second line would go up to 25 because you just doubled your first line. Yeah, makes sense. So I think if you have. When you're looking at the hour range on sprayers, to me, it makes a lot more sense and a lot more. The thing about a sprayer that I think people 
take into consideration subconsciously but never really take into account when they're buying it is the spray hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they got they got this 1,900-hour sprayer, right? But it's only got 600 spray hours on it because there's a Sunday driver most days. going in the, the road time and just the idle time, field time, those kind of things. Exactly. You, there's a ton of hours that just get put on a machine that aren't at work. Right. You know? So I think there's some... Very big on sprayers. Because everyone, I mean, when I'm selling a sprayer to somebody, that's, they ask me, well, how many sprayers does it have on it? Well, it's got, you know, 600, but it's got, you know, 1,900 engine hours. Like, oh, God, 1,900 hours on it, huh? You're, you're not really concerned about the actual engine hours, per se, as you are the actual system machine hours. Right, right. But since it is... To, to a certain degree. Right. It's still got engine and wheel motors and hydro, but... Right. It's a different kind of yeah. You know, you, you basically you basically have two separate complete concerns with that machine. Whereas combine, you could have two separate complete concerns, but everybody's just always worried about yep. <laughs> maintenance on a combine, regardless yep. of what color, regardless of what size, what age. So that's that's a different way of looking at it, I guess. There too. So yep. So I think there's there's a fair amount of folks that are doing. You know, one other thing I've noticed about these auctions here of late. All these ag auctions that I've seen more and more pop up here, and maybe because it's retirement sales and estate sales and stuff like that, but the amount of of construction equipment that are showing up on these, not just skid steers, but dozers, excavators, those kind of things that are, you see a lot more of this yeah, kind of action hitting. Absolutely. Than I've seen in the past. You know, there's, but, but not flooding it. Just no, enough yeah. of a trickle yeah. that it keeps everybody pretty fired up about them. Yeah. Just enough of a tickle to make you giggle. You know what I'm saying? Enough to make you laugh. That's probably my favorite auction in here. Klein harvesting. How many do they got here? Make it cleaner with gleaner. I've heard, I don't know who they are. I've heard of them. You should. They're from Sasnak. Yeah. They are from there. So if you were to uh, take a look, you know that else is on here quite a bit? A lot more tillage stuff is showing up. Yeah. There for the longest time, you didn't see hardly any tillage on here. Right. Now they're seeing more and more tillage kind of pop in there. So. Right on. All right. So I do miss the the live sales. Oh, Colonel Dan Sullivan. He he puts on a a pretty good show. Absolutely. I miss I miss that stuff. So he he is a showman. Yes, he is. He is. So next time, first time you have a live auction. Dan, Aaron, and I are going to come out there and see you again. There you go. All right, buddy. Well, I think that wraps this one up. Anything else you want to throw on this auction slash sprayer talk that we've got going on here? Man, nothing I can think of. Right on. All right, so now it's time for the anticipated, much waited for, Aaron Fintel deal of the week. Woo! Okay. Highly anticipated. Highly, highly anticipated. As we're talking about that thousand to two thousand hour tractor, uh-huh. just happened to have one here. Shocker! Wow. Twenty eighteen uh-huh. John Deere eight three forty five R twelve hundred hours. A little bit under twelve hundred hours. ILS IVT front duals weighted up dual hydraulic pump leather cab LED lights all the goodies. Yeah. Built like it should be. Two ninety nine. You would think so, but not today. 
265. Shut your mouth. 265. Sweep the ring. Take them all. Take them all. <laughs> Hell of a nice tractor. <clears throat> You'd be very, very pleased with this rig. I did say it has dual pump, right? I think you did. Okay. That's pretty damn good. If you important. did say, you did say it. I now. did now. So there you go. It's covered. All dual pump, up. five remotes, there my man. Go. Five remotes? Five. Get out of here. I know. No wonder you need a dual pump when you have five implements plugged into that thing. <laughs> there you go. Right on. All right. So we were talking about this the other day, you and I. Yep. So when I was just a wee lad. A wee lad. My dad sold oil filled chemicals, sells, still sells oil filled chemicals. So he's, uh, for the longest time, their company vehicles were red Caprice Classics with, with tan interiors. Fantastic. Fantastic. And tan velour yes, interiors. They were like, they don't even make couches as soft as those car yeah, seats used to. They were amazing. They were God forbid amazing. you have to adjust while you're sitting there because yep. your clothes are going to get all twisted yep. up. But you're gonna be comfy. So he had that vehicle. Then he had he had a couple trucks in the way. But one year he it just happened to get his his rotation of company vehicles, and it was the new edition when they went away from the square body style Chevy pickup to the rounded 1988. 1988, and that was the uh, in '87 they had flirted with the idea of going fully fuel injected but they Correct. had this throttle body fuel injection had a kid thing going on and then they went into this full-fledged electronically fuel injected engine and that was yeah that's right no what's okay what was it they're the exact same engine all the way to 94 i understand that but there was just that's when they because efi was like the big 87 thing. last right. year's square body right that at the, the efi thing. That was but the I'm little gonna, silver plate on the tailgate, electronic fuel injection. Right, but the point that was the big selling point for the '88. Like they were like, do you even know I had it in '88? We had this electronic fuel injected engine. Well, that was kind of a bypass yeah. because in '88, that was the first time since '73 it was a whole new pickup. Right. With, with, independent front suspension, yes, ladies and gentlemen. And it was super sexy. So anyway, my dad gets this truck, and it was a. It was also the first year that they had the, the extended cab. Yes, and correct. And that was the big thing. Because you got the extended cab. Hell yeah. And it was the coolest thing on the planet. So me and my brother. Never mind Ford and Dodge had it for 20 yeah. plus years. Yeah. So they get this thing. And it wasn't like a bench seat in the back. It had like two jumper seats. That oh, yeah. I set like on the side. Facing each other. Yeah, facing yep. each other. Which we thought was pretty cool until we went on a trip. And then you realized, you know, I got to stare at my brother. Yeah. For the next hour and a half, or however far we're going, and that sucked. The long story short was that was the truck that I remember the most because it had a five-speed transmission, manual transmission, with a posi tracker in, and it was a long bed with the with the extended cab, right? Three-quarter ton pickup, and it would literally go anywhere that it wanted to get go. Yeah. It never got stuck. Four-wheel drive? I don't ever remember my dad getting that thing stuck on an Elise Road anywhere. Was it a four-wheel drive? No. I didn't think so. Just a posi. It had to have been white. <laughs> no, it was red. Oh, it was? Yeah, you yeah. did say red. Red. That's weird. Red interior. A pickup from the oil field that's not white? That's before then. That's before, <laughs> that's before white trucks were a thing. <laughs> that's before yeah. every pickup south of Nebraska was white. Yeah. So, 
I was thinking about that the other day, and that was a uh, was a wicked cool truck. Because at the time, when my dad got that truck, in our little town that we lived in, he was the first guy to get his delivered before all the farmers got theirs. Oh, badass. So there for a minute, he was the only guy that had that truck. Right on. 1988. God, those are good pickups, too. 88 to 98 Chevy GMC. For the longest time, that was the... Talk, talk your shit. What's your what's your oh, shit talk about that series of pickup all up, the time? Up until about 1995, 96. That was that was my favorite. I was a Chevy guy through and through. Right. Like I, I had the badass bow tie for the longest time tattooed on my chest. Absolutely. Right? And then they had to glue the doors on. Who they did that in '88? The pickup you loved having yeah. the glues doored on, friend. Well, that's when who I figured, gives a shit. That's when I figured it out. And Other just, people glue on door hinges too. They do it with welding rod. Yeah, so well, you use liquid nails or welding rod. It's just one of those things. It's just the idea of it. It's lighter. Never, never set well with me. That's how the Chevy gets better mileage than a Ford. It's lighter. Back then, because uh-huh. you didn't have that welding rod around the hinges, they just glue, oh. gorilla glued that damn yeah. thing on. I guess so. Simple. I guess so. You know what I thought was so cool? You controlled the radio up here by the steering wheel, but the brains of the radio are up under, they're like up under, ahead of the, above the hump, yeah. up under the dash. Yeah. Crazy. So my dad still had the the analog phone. Right. Like the base phone. Like oh, yeah. Phone had the had like the, the, the metal stand that came up and you could like hook the phone into it. And he still had that and that thing would, uh, it was rigged, the horn would honk every time it would ring. Oh no shit! Yeah, somehow, and I don't know. I don't oh, know. they probably set it up that way. So if you're out of the pickup, yeah. you know your phone's ringing. So I remember, like on a Saturday afternoon, we'd be out mowing the grass for my dad. Like, <laughs> 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 you know, nonsense. Dude, that is awesome. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that was oh shit. That was good times. That is fantastic. Yeah, and the old analog phone. Honestly, God, truth. No matter where you're at, you get service. I wish you still phone. had them. You can't. I mean, anyway. Analog phone with an external magnet mount antenna. Yep. Mm-hmm. Go to the moon, man. Yep. And the cool thing about that was each phone call was dollar fifty, right, per minute. You know, I never seen people speed talk more than in my life. They were like, they were almost talking in in uh, shorthand, trying to <laughs> trying to get that conversation done quick. <laughs> There's, they were talking in emojis before emojis. Were yeah, before. exactly. You know I mean? LOL. <laughs> right on. Okay. All right. Well, I think we got we're going to Walmart. JSUK. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. Well, I think we got this one, man. I think we did. All right, we stomped on the fires out. If people wanted to get a hold of you to get a hold of that deal of the day, what's the best way to do that? Well, I'm pretty active on the Twitterverse at. Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, Fintel, F as in Frank, I-N-T-E-L, or call me or text me, text preferred, 308-760-1193. Outstanding. If you want to get a hold of me, go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and use the handle Moving Iron LLC, and that'll, come, that'll just directly to me. And I'll find it, and then I'll respond to you with whatever, whatever question you might have. Or... Perhaps a lighthearted limerick. Could be. Could be anything. You know, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll exchange with you however you wish. Um, you can also send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also 
go to the Moving Iron LLC website. And if you haven't seen what Aaron Fennell looks like, which once you've seen what he looks like, you're going to understand why we quit doing video. So just, just <laughs> that out there. But True story. If you go go to uh, movingironllc.com, go to Moving Iron Podcast, and you'll see Moving Iron Podcast contributors, and you'll see myself, my bio, Aaron and his bio, you'll see Rich Poston and his bio, and you'll see the newest member of the Moving Iron Podcast team, Jacqueline Kramowski. Sorry, Jacqueline, I just butchered your name there. I apologize about that. But you'll see all of us in there. And Jacqueline's coming on, and she's going to uh, kind of be our our man on the street, our gal on the street out there that's going to be giving us the, the ag news that uh, that you don't get typically on the Moving Iron Podcast. But I think, I think I'm going to like this and where we're going with this, so... It's going to be a fantastic sprinklet. It is. It's going to be a nice, nice little nugget for you to enjoy on your on your way to wherever you're headed, checking sprinklers or whatever you're doing. If you check checking sprinklers now, you got a big problem. But no, preseason maintenance. Uh, preseason maintenance. If you had the windstorms that we had over the last couple of weeks, you could be trying to set your sprinkler back up. That's accurate. So, anyway, so with that being said, I am Casey Seymour with Aaron Fentel. Let's go with some iron, folks. Hello and welcome to the Moving Iron Podcast. Today I have a special guest with me and she is going to be a contributor to the Moving Iron Podcast. I'm super excited about that. Her name is Jacqueline Kramowski and she is a writer, a journalist, and a communication specialist with the Herd Books. If you go over to movingironlsc.com and go to uh, Moving Iron Podcast and look at contributors, you'll see Jacqueline's pretty face and all of her amazing information she has to... uh, to put out there about who she is and what she's doing, but I wanted to get her on the podcast so we could talk a little bit about her background, who she is, and kind of introduce her to everybody so we could get to know her a little bit. Jacqueline is going to be primarily giving us some ag news on what's going on, and we're gonna we're gonna get that into the podcast every week. And she's going to uh, hopefully give me some stuff that I don't already know, which is not going to be hard for you to do, Jacqueline. So welcome to the show. How you doing? Good. How are you, Casey? I'm doing great. Well, Jacqueline, I, I really appreciate this collaboration that we're going to be working together on and, and how we're going to uh, kind of grow this thing and make this thing into something something fun and exciting. So give us a little background about who you are and what you do and how you got to this point in your life. Yeah. So I graduated from The Ohio State University back in 2018. Um, my major is in agriculture science, uh, but the route I took specifically was in animal industries. So I was never wanted to be a vet. Everyone always says, oh, are you one of those vet school wannabes that didn't make the cut? And I said, no, I never <laughs> wanted to wake up at 3 a.m. to take care of animals for ungrateful clients. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that kind of led me to, uh, after I was out of school, I did a little bit of work in the dairy industry. I have a minor in communications. Okay. And so with that, I did a little bit of communications work. Um, for, I did work for a breed association. I worked for a stud company. And at the same time, I was also working on my freelance business as well. Right I First got my foot in the door, I did my internship with Progressive Publishing, who does progressive cattle, progressive dairy, and progressive forage. And since then, I kind of just had the freelance as a side hustle going, but it was last year, towards the end of the year, middle of a pandemic, of course, I decided that I was just ready to go out on that limb and make the move to doing what I do now full-time. 
And so since then, I've really expanded instead of just doing publications for different facets of agribusiness. I've also done a lot of work for specific businesses on case studies or social media content. Uh, I do letters that go out to memberships, miscellaneous things like that, that I always tell my clients, it's like whatever has been on your wish list that you can't get to and you really wish someone on your team was freed up to write this or do this project, that's kind of where I come in. Right on. All right, so talk about uh, talk a little bit about, about the Herd book and what that is. Yeah, so I launched the Herd book primarily as a blog back in either late 2017, early 2018. And as I was kind of doing my freelance writing on the side, I wanted to start kind of just blogging and sharing some of my perspectives on agriculture um, from the perspective of someone who was actively involved in ag. Obviously, I had gone to college. I was working in the field, but I, I don't necessarily have a home farm of my own to go back to. So I kind of wanted to have my somewhat unbiased opinion on certain issues um, from that perspective, as well as kind of just share some of the trial and error, how I moved my career along and ultimately got where I am today. And kind of since then, now that website has grown and it also serves as my portfolio. I started a newsletter recently. People can go ahead and sign up for, and it's kind of like my my little corner of the internet where I'm still sharing my story, my insights, covering a little bit of news. Um, also just has a nice place for clients, potential clients to land and just learn a little more about me and what I do as a communicator. Right on. Okay. So when you when you uh, growing up, did you grow up on a family farm? Did you guys have a? Did you grow up around agriculture? Or is this something that, like me, you just kind of fell into? For a little bit of both, I want to say the big thing that got my foot in the door to really get a taste of what ag is like in the real world was through 4-H. Okay. Uh, we had a couple of acres growing up, and we did just about everything we could. Um, we had poultry. We had chickens we had goats goats i got really big into um we had a couple of steers i had a pony we you know everything my sister did rabbits it was like a big a whole big family affair and so it was pretty easy for me by the time i got into high school that i knew that ag was definitely where i wanted to be um i just kind of was tasked with the challenge of finding what that would look like for someone like me because especially when you're like me and you walk right into an ag school, it's really easy to get intimidated because a lot of people, I want, I want to say they have it all figured out, but a lot of them more think they have it all figured out, whether it's going to the family farm or, you know, interning with someone close to home, uh, sort of sort of things like that. So, um, yeah, it was kind of like something that it, it was progressive for me to really find my place. But it's also kind of one of those just innate passions that I had always had, and I was very fortunate I was able to de- develop that when I was young and growing up. Mm-hmm. All right, so I go to the herd book, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of your stuff or or the kind of stuff we're gonna collaborate on together. What can yeah. uh, what can listeners expect to hear from from Jacqueline Kramowski? Yeah. So as someone who works very actively in the agriculture communications and media sphere, um, I 
chunk of my job is going through newsletters, uh, reading headlines, reading other authors' stories, sharing those, and also kind of weighing in my two cents to give people some perspective on some things or allow them to develop their own. So for me, I definitely like, I like getting those headlines that has the why factor behind it. Like, why should producers care? How is this going to impact you? Um, because I, I know, you know, no one, no one really cares a, about the woes of some of these massive agribusinesses and corporations. But at the end of the day, everything trickles down to um, our individual farmers as well that are essentially, um, for better or for worse, we're all very interwoven and connected as an ag community. And some of that, too, is global issues that are going on as well that are things to just be worth keeping an eye on. Um, I know real, really recently there was um, real with Russia, and so I can't remember the headline now. I just That was one of the things my radar I wanted to talk about with the deal with Russia and their move in the soybean industry. Mm-hmm. Um, China always has stuff going on. So just, yeah. just things like that, that producers should care about. Yep. Yeah. That's one thing I do. I try to do with on the commodity side of my report. When I do that is just, I will try to focus on what's going on. That's going to be, uh, uh, that's kind of driving the, what the markets are thinking. And, and, you know, obviously it sounds like what you got there and, and what I've read is going to, is a lot of that information as well too. So, well, Jacqueline, I look forward to working with you, and I, I think this is going to be a, a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to uh, having uh, another person to, to help help me along in the uh, journey here that I'm on. So I appreciate you being part of the podcast. Yeah, likewise, Casey. I'm really happy to be here. Right on. So if people want to reach out to you, Jacqueline, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, the best way, uh, my website, uh, which you're going to link on yours, is the uh, the dash herdbook all one one word uh, dot com. Uh, my email is also Jacqueline at the dash herdbook dot com. Same as it is with the website. And then also you can find myself or my company on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, etc. I'm really easy to reach out to, and I'm I kind of live part time on my computer. So if there's anything I could ever do to help with questions, I could answer commentary you want to share with me. Um, I'm always open for it. Right on. Well, Jack, I look forward to it, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Casey. Moving in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving time and time again. You'll find us here Moving on